Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's message of the week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Last week, I started a mini-series called Living and Waiting in the run-up to Christmas. And we read from Isaiah chapter 9, including these verses, which will be familiar to many of you if you've got your device or Bible with you, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. We read, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Familiar words to anyone who's been to a carol service at any point in their lives, almost certainly. Um, And I, I shared a bit about those last week. You can find it on YouTube or the podcasting channel of your choice. Those words formed the imagination and expectation of an entire nation for centuries. They read them and they were like, wow, God is going to send someone to us who is going to do that. And that was what they're hoping for. They were waiting for a child to be born who was going to be Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, who'd establish a kingdom just like David's. I'm going to make you talk to one another this morning. And the first thing you're going to talk to each other about, maybe just twos or threes, because if you do more than that, it'll take ages, and I know you all want to play in the snow. Forget for a moment everything you know about Jesus. What would you have been hoping for and expecting if that was all you had to tell you what God was going to do? What would it look like? What would it feel like? What would happen? What would be formed in your expectation? What would you be waiting for if all you had were those verses from Isaiah chapter 9? You've got two and a half minutes and then you can shout out your answers from your twos and threes. Okay? Off you go. Okay, what kind of things are we saying? Hands up, shout them out. What kind of things are we saying? What are we expecting if this is all we've got to shape our imagination? A king and a conqueror, yes. Military power, yeah. Political power, yes, absolutely. Peace in the world, yes, absolutely. Especially if you read the bit before as well, which we read last week. Yes, you're expecting peace. Charisma from this person, yeah. A righteous king, yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're expecting God to be the king, yeah. Very good. A new Solomon. Yes. So harking back to the times of David and his son Solomon, where the kingdom was at its biggest where the riches and wealth and power of Israel at the highest. Solomon was very wise. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yes. Yes. Some confusion about what this was going to mean. In fact, here's a top tip, you know, the, the, um, tip bit of information for you. When the um, Old Testament translated into Greek, it's called the Septuagint, um, they decided that this was far too outrageous to translate into Greek, and so they changed it. They were like, no, that's not what it says. Something else. And it's in my notes from last week, but I haven't got them today. But it's something about being a counsellor to God rather than God being the counsellor. Um, they were like, no, that can't be the case. Must be different. We're going to change it. I've probably just dashed the motives of the 70 translators of the Hebrew scriptures into Greek, but never mind. Anything else? Last call? Somebody immortal. Yeah, no death. Yes, because it's going to last forever. Brilliant. That's what people are expecting. And then, of course, Jesus comes on the scene 600 years later, and he starts saying this. So if you've got your Bible, Mark chapter 1. Going to read just a couple of verses. We were playing with our software before we started. It may come up on the screen, but you might need a Bible in front of you. Who knows? Oh, thank you, David. This is Mark's summary of what Jesus went around saying. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He uses this language of a kingdom that they're waiting for and starts triggering all of these things that you've just been saying in people's imagination. We're expecting military might. We're expecting political power. We're expecting to see God. We're expecting the nation to be re-established. And yet that's not really what you find as you read through the stories of Jesus' life. And you begin to understand why the religious leaders and the experts in the word and the law got a little bit confused about Jesus. And then Jesus dies, Jesus comes back to life and he spends 40 days teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. That's what it says at the beginning of Acts. And we find ourselves also slightly confused. Because it says here that there'll be peace. It says here that it will be like a kingdom. But our experience is that sometimes this feels true and sometimes it doesn't. Is that fair to say? I mean, if you're walking in victory in the whole of your lives... People get healed by your shadow everywhere you go. You've never suffered at the hands of any other person. You've never been sick. Then God bless you. We, we form an orderly line for you to pray for us at the end. But we're presented with this conundrum, this puzzle, this confusion. We've got this expectation of a kingdom that looks a certain way. Jesus said it's come near, but our experience doesn't quite bear out. And when I wrote the brief for the three weeks of this series, this is what I asked Rachel to speak about. And uh, this is what she prepared to speak about before she got poorly. And so today instead, you're going to speak about it. We're going to start with a picture which helps us understand how the church has come to understand this tension of God said his kingdom would be like this, but our experience is a little bit more like this. And the picture looks, depending on who draws it, a little bit like this. Hopefully. It's the principle of the kingdom being now and the kingdom being not yet. If you've been in church a while, you'll be familiar with it. It's a common teaching. A guy called John Wimber brought it into the mainstream 
of the church. It was talked about by theologians before that, but he was the one, I guess, that many of us will have come across the teaching from. And it goes a little bit like this. The kingdom of God is here, but it's also not yet fully here. Have you ever heard that language before? And so we see the signs of the breaking in of the kingdom now, but we also see sometimes where the kingdom of God doesn't really feel like it's there. And the point of what he's saying runs a little bit like this. The bottom line is the kingdom of the world. And all the things that have happened in the world, the breaking in of sin, of sickness, and the damage that that's caused, continues. And it was basically all there was. And God would send messengers and prophets who would occasionally break through and give a sign to something that would come. And this, prof- this prophecy from Isaiah is one of those. It's one of those moments where God sort of shouts into the culture and says, this is what it's going to be like. But there's no real experience of it yet. And then the first vertical line, I need one of those laser pens. You see the vertical line here? That's Jesus' arrival. Ooh! should double your pay. That's Jesus' arrival. That's Jesus arriving on the face of the earth. And he starts saying the very words we've just read. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God breaks in. And as Jesus walks around, what you find is sick people are healed. People oppressed by evil are freed. People who are caught up in sin are forgiven. That suddenly there's a greater revelation of God's purpose on the face of the earth. But... It runs parallel to a continued experience just like other people have had through the centuries and millennia before. There's currently two kingdoms at play, the top line and the bottom line. And that's the age we find ourselves in. On this diagram, which we found thanks to Google search five minutes before you arrived, it calls it the already not yet kingdom. The kingdom is already here, but it's also not yet. I tend to say now and not yet. The kingdom is now. But it's also not yet. And we live in this place where we see the breakthrough of God, but we also find ourselves waiting for the breakthrough of God. Anybody seen the breakthrough of God in their life? Anybody waiting for the breakthrough of God in their life? It's because we live in this moment where the kingdom is now and not yet. There is both the kingdom of the earth, which is still marred and broken and distorted and disrupted by sin, by humanity's rebellion against God, and there is a heavenly kingdom breaking in. And so we live in a time where we know in part. We know some stuff about God. We've seen it. We look at the Bible and we can understand. We live in a time where we can prophesy in part. We can hear the voice of God and speak it out. And we get it right sometimes. We live in an age where we can see in part. We see the kingdom of God coming, but only Partially. We pray and we can hear God communicate with us, but sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we're not sure. Sometimes it's distorted. Paul talks about it being like looking in a broken mirror. You can kind of see it, but it's blurry. And that's why when we pray for the sick, sometimes they're wonderfully healed. The kingdom of God breaks in. Anyone in the room ever been supernaturally healed? And sometimes we pray for the sick and they're not healed. Anybody in the room ever been prayed for and not got healed? It's both. It's why we see change in our lives. Anybody's life changed since they came to Jesus? Anybody got areas of their life they'd like to see change now they've come to Jesus? 
It's why we know forgiveness and freedom from sin and we know that sweet peace that comes as we feel washed clean, white as snow. But we also struggle with guilt sometimes. And we still sin. Hebrews 10 verse 14 puts it like this. For by one sacrifice, Jesus has made perfect. Jesus has made you perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. He's made you holy. You're perfect forever and you're being made holy. The kingdom is now and not yet. And both exist at the same time. One day it will be complete. One day we will see fully. Now we see in part. One day, and now we're at this line over here. If your eyesight's good, it says consummated. That's a very big word. The other big word you need is inaugurated if you want it here and you want to sound clever. It means it's begun and it means it's finished. When you get engaged, you've inaugurated a coming together of two people. On the wedding night, you consummate it. When Jesus returns, the kingdom will be consummated, it will be complete, it will be full. And you see the bottom line stops and only the top line continues. One day, only what exists in the kingdom of God will continue and the bottom line will end. One day, all we'll know is freedom from sickness, freedom from sin, every tear wiped away, the power of death ended. We will know God fully. We'll see him face to face. We'll no longer be confused. We will no longer doubt. We will no longer sometimes feel like he's silent. We will no longer feel like sometimes we're in a dark valley. There won't be need for a sun, the picture in Revelation says, because God will illuminate the whole thing. One day, it will only be the kingdom fully. But right now, it's the kingdom in part. Here's your next thing to talk about. And then we're going to pray. Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bible with you, read a few verses together. Verses 31 to 33. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Pagans being those who don't know God. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. This is Jesus' instruction about how to live in that in-between bit where there's two kingdoms. If you seek first the top line. If you seek first the righteousness of God that exists in the age which is to come. God will look after everything else. If you've been a believer for a while, that really shouldn't be news to you. But it's very easy to say, and we work out what that looks like in our lives in different ways. And so the next thing for you to talk about is how are you doing this in your life? How are you trying to do this in your life if currently you're failing? Or how would you like to do this in your life if you are being provoked right now that you really should be trying to seek first the kingdom of God. What does it look like for you to look for the kingdom, the top line? Can we have the, uh, the picture back up, David? What does it look like for you to be seeking the top line in a world where both lines exist? What does it look like for you to look for the kingdom of God in your everyday life, the breaking in of knowledge, of peace, of comfort, of healing, of goodness, of righteousness, the wiping away of tears? What does that look like and how do you do it? 
The people in your group would love your wisdom. Why don't you turn into your groups for three to four minutes and share how do you seek the kingdom in your life? And then I'll lead us into some prayer. A, a note of clarification. I'm looking for your personal. What do you do? Or what do you, you know, how do you do it? I mean, theory's fine. I'm looking for personal. Okay? Now, you might be nervous about putting your hand up and giving your answer because you feel like it's boasting, so you can give someone else's answer from your group if you like. Very welcome to say how it works for you. Just, I know that lots of people in the room are British, and we recoil from moments like that. Um, you're able to answer generally. Someone in our group said, you know, if you feel like you don't want to out yourself, what kind of answers were we coming up with? How do you seek first the kingdom of God in your lives? Or how do people in your group do that? Using technology wisely. Because when we use it foolishly, it takes us away from the kingdom of God. Is that the point? Yeah. Massive, massive. What else? Wave at me and shout, yeah. Yes. Yes. Really good. So two things if you didn't hear. One was not giving up meeting together. The assembly of the brethren, Akin said, so it's what we're doing at church, reminding ourselves about this other kingdom because it's too easy to forget. And then the second thing is the scriptures say, and if I was preparing... This week, for today's message, I'd have gone there. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so those are the things that mark the kingdom, is joy and peace and righteousness. How can I bring joy into my life? How can I have peace? How can I live righteously as Jesus has taught us? Don't forget that one. You can, you can pursue joy and peace and miss righteousness, and you miss the kingdom. Brill, any other answers? How do we seek first the kingdom of God? You got one for me, Zoe? Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong person. Sorry. Pray? Really good. Did you have one too, Zoe? No? That's okay. Don't want to embarrass you. Antonio? Submitting our thoughts and minds to Christ and loving our enemies. Yes. Wow. Scott Real. Very good. Sanger? Yes. And if forgiveness is not counting people's sins against them, that, that's the forgetting we're talking about, isn't it, here? You know, it's not going to colour how I'm going to treat you. Yeah, it's really good, helpful, thank you. I saw a hand at the back. Trevor. Yes. Yes, yes. So uh, if you didn't hear Trevor, he was talking about <clears throat> regularly assessing your value system to see whether God's at the top or whether something else has risen to the top of it. And this is, this is just massive. I think we're realizing, aren't we, that the way we see the world is constantly being bombarded and shaped by numerous things which too easily push God out. And we end up prizing all sorts of other things which could have been good, but if they're above God, then they're no longer good. Yeah, it's so helpful. So helpful. Yes. Yes. So the intentionality and foundation is key. Yeah, really helpful. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. 
if the, we're looking for, we said earlier, we're looking for a kingdom of peace. You know, we're expecting there to be peace. To seek the kingdom means propagating peace, you know, bringing peace, causing peace, being peacemakers. Blessed are the, oh man, this is a great talk. I'm going to, this time next year, just you wait. Any more? Tim. Yes. Wow. Treating do not worry as a daily practice and recognizing this is the plan. Yeah. This isn't like God went, oh, it's not worked, I better fix it. This was what he always intended. Brilliant. Maybe two more? Yeah, Marilyn. Yes. 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 So seeking the kingdom means loving others as he's loved us. Yeah. Really good. Yes. 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 Not shying away when God calls you into something. Seeking the kingdom means when you hear God, you do it. Whether that's you're reading the Bible and you're like, oh, that should have an effect in my life. <laughs> Even though I want to do something else. Or when you feel that gentle nudge, you should talk to that person. You could say this to that person. Obedience to God, not shying away, utterly vital. Brill. One more? Mm-hmm. Yes. Studying the Bible in groups and sharing with one another. That's what you said, Bill. Absolutely. Looks like we're doing well today, doesn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, if your only diet of what's in the Bible is what the person at the front says, that's, that's a sparse diet it's really helpful um, Matthew you're waving at me yes 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 absolutely so allowing the word of God to become the operating manual of your life so respecting the authority of the word this, this is useful for our lives and it's not just a good book but it's one that we live under um, and loving people as Jesus loves them, treating them as Jesus treats them. So forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. It's really helpful, Matthew. Thank you. Senga, this is the final one. Yeah. Well, and what we're trying to do in these first ones of the month is to get us down this line. It's notable, of course, if you look around, that there are only a few children in the room. Many of them are currently on the slopes of Harrogate and the surrounding area. <clears throat> but the reason we do these first Sundays of the month is because of the fact that I've got loads of wisdom. And Rachel's got loads of wisdom and Ruth's got loads of wisdom, but you've got loads of wisdom too. You know, the purpose of a pastor is to keep people dealing with God for themselves. Actually, you, you need to do that. You know, some of your lives look nothing like my lives. You need other people. And um, so we need times like this where we're able to input into one another's lives, particularly across the generations. And so this is what we do on the first Sunday of the month for a reason. It might move to a different Sunday of the month next year. But the reason we do it once a month is for this exact reason, because there's power in sharing. And I know it's nice to sit and listen and consume from the front. And I know it's nice to have extended times of worship and all the rest of it. But it's also really helpful to hear from other people their thoughts how they follow God, how they seek first the kingdom. So 
I'm glad it's of benefit. I pray it continues to be of benefit to us. Hamish, you want to come back up? We're going to finish with a song, but before we do, here's my challenge. When you turn back into your groups, you've got one minute to pray your best prayer for the other people in your group to be able to seek first the kingdom of God better this week than they did last week. Yeah? Sound good? So pray fast, and then we'll sing to close. <laughs>